to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We're here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah Missoni. How are you this week? I'm good, Sarah Marshall. I saw you were out cooking for the masses. Oh yeah, At I went Blanchard House, right? Yeah, um, I Tell went us with about it. my um, culinary group, uh, the the Dames group. I've talked about him on here before, but um, we volunteered at the Blanchet House, or I think it's maybe Blanchet House. Blanchet, maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm like Blanchet. butchering the name. I don't or know. Or French, French sounding. So, they do um, have high qualities food there as we learned um from tracy remember she yeah, said that she was donating some stuff there and um, the salmon looked awesome yeah so they get food donations from all over the city lots of restaurants lots of grocery stores and um and we were volunteering there was a group of um you know some other women from around town so we had like a winemaker a pastry chef and i just happened to come when um all these peppers were donated from i think it was from new seasons maybe from some local grocery store and so they didn't know what to do with them so they were like we were thinking she like made all these pieces of paper of all the different stuff she wanted us to do while we were there and so of course like um you know cheryl from picks who was one of our past guests went right for the um she was doing like some fruit compote like um crisps like um fruit yeah crisps. i saw her so she, yeah she did those and then I there was a pot there just happened to be they needed the hot sauce made so I made a ton of hot sauce that will last them forever because it was so much but yeah so it was super fun and they do um meals there anybody can go and get them that's in need of a meal they um serve them into go containers these days during COVID, they used to have like a sit down cafeteria but now they don't and if anybody wants to volunteer you can always um reach out to them or if you need help connecting I can help connect you but it's a wow, great organization really nice. that gives food to people and they're always accepting food donations clothing donations they need help sometimes putting together um packs with like you know bandages and um first aid stuff and um warm hand warming stuff and socks so if you ever have free time and want to volunteer they need help or if you want to just donate some stuff they always need it they serve a lot of people so I think they were doing 500 to go meals that day wow, so that's a lot actually helping prep for the next day but wow yeah yeah so i did that this week it was awesome and um i would encourage anyone to go do the same if you can if you have the opportunity to do that very nice but, yeah i also wanted to give a shout out to some of our past guests because Ooh. this week um the good food awards was announced oh yes so, so some of our guests from this year i won saw awards. that so um Mama Coco won a couple of awards yes. for her um, cocoa. Uh, Mount Hope, yeah, Mount Hope Farms won for some of their jams, and Sabejo won yes. for some of their um, Singaporean sauces. So, oh, and Briar Rose Creamery won some cheese. Nice. Awards. So those were all guests that we had this year. So we just wanted to tell them congratulations. We're proud of you. And there's Celebrate. all. Yeah, there's all kinds of great products on there. If anybody, um, you can just look up Good Food Awards uh, 2022, and it'll show you a list of all these really wonderful people doing great things. So check it out yeah, if you can. And I heard they changed the mercantile to March 4th. I had been announcing it was April 29th, but now it's March 4th here in Portland. Okay. So. Oh, yeah, there's going to be one here. I've done those before. They're yeah. great. If you haven't done um, shows and need to connect with new buyers that you don't know, I think it's a good opportunity to do it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, congratulations, everybody. We're so glad that you did that. I um, am super excited about our guest today because we're going to be talking chilies, which, you know, is one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Always spicy. Always spicy. It's my fave. I even got to sample some, so I'm excited to tell people about it. So we're joined in the studio today by Althea Gray Potter. Althea is the owner of the Flavor Society. She makes um, chili crisps. That's what I'm going to call them, but she can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not sure what to call it exactly. Maybe it's a chili oil, but she'll tell us all about it. Welcome, Althea. It's crispy. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. We're so glad that you're here and we want to um, connect our listeners to you. So how is the best way for them to find you on the on the web world? Uh, The best way to find me in the web world is on Instagram at the Flavor Society or at my website, which is www.theflavorsociety.com. You have a nice website. I was looking at it earlier today. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) And your design on your labels, beautiful. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. My, um, I've been best friends with the woman who designed them since we were in middle school. So it was really fun. She lives on the East coast. So it was really fun to, um, have like a collaborative project with her, Plus, she nailed it. So (laughs) she definitely nailed it. So, so, so beautiful. And um, for people who haven't seen it, of course, go to her Instagram. You'll see pictures of her packaging right away. I have one um, right here, but um, they have beautiful gold labels. And then I like that you can still see what's going on inside. I like the the gold highlighted print and it's just so, would you say it's like art deco kind of? Yes. It's it's art deco. I was inspired by uh, the New Yorker and Vogue covers of like the art deco era, Mm. which I think are really cool. Yeah, they turned out so great. I love it so much. I love it too. So let's, I I didn't know what exactly you call this. Is it a chili oil? Is it a chili crisp? Is it, what do you call it? Um, I called it kind of all of those things. I've called it a crunchy sauce. I've called it called it a chili crisp. I call it a chili crunch. Um, but I think it sort of falls into all of those other categories. Um, it's inspired uh, by um, lots of the fun, crunchy, spicy chili condiments of the world, um, like Chinese chili crisp um, and salsa and Mexican salsa matcha in particular. Um, and those are just things that I fell in love with as a chef. And I just think it's such a like unique way to bring like flavor and texture to a dish where you can take something that's really bland and then just put a spoonful of something on and like totally transform it into something that's like really flavorful and has great texture. Or you can just eat a spoonful of it because it's (laughs) keto. Yeah, Yeah, you sure can. I have. (laughs) For sure. We um, made this uh, cabbage dish the other night where you make like a ginger cream. It was from um, one of our cookbooks, but they wanted you to make a chili crisp. And I was like, oh, no, jerk, you don't have to. I have some about the in the fridge. And then we put it over the top. So it was really good. It was like creamy gingery on the bottom and then like a kind of a boiled and then grilled cabbage. And then we put the chili crisp all over it. And it was Ooh, so yum. delicious. That yeah. sounds yummy. I love really good. I love cabbage. I feel like cabbage is underrated. So I'm glad that it's getting some love. Well, we eat a lot of it because, you know, at the farmer's market, especially now, there's yeah. not a lot to choose from. You yeah. know, there's there's cabbage, there's leeks, there's potatoes, there's kale. If you don't get there before like 10 o'clock, there's not much else, you know, because everything that everything else that's there sells really quick. But so we are eating a lot of cabbage right now. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> bet. It holds well. I always have cabbage in my fridge. <laughs> yeah. You can make a really good cabbage roll and put some of the crisp on there. I bet that would be tasty. Ooh, yum. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So let's talk about, you mentioned that um, you were a chef. Let's talk about um, what you did before and what, you know, how you ended up having this business. Um, so in the before times, as we call it, mm-hmm. I get pre-COVID. Um, I've been a chef in Portland, Oregon for about 10 years. Um, and 
For seven years, I was the chef at a little uh, wine bar called We, O-U-I, like French for yes, which was nestled inside the Southeast Wine Collective on Division Street. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, during uh, the pandemic, um, that the winery closed, the winery closed and relocated and the restaurant closed. Um, So... Um, which was really, which was really hard. It was really, um, it was a really emotional thing, I think, for for me myself and for the owners um, and for the, all the people who poured who poured a lot of love and uh, work into that place. Um, and you know, I know I'm not uh, not the only one. I know a lot of people um, have been in that position. Um, but uh, I, you know, the silver lining of it for me was that it gave me um, the time and the opportunity to kind of reassess some stuff in my life and to um, kind of figure out what I wanted for my career moving forward and um, to do something that has always been a dream of mine to start a food brand. And didn't you meet with us at the Food Innovation Center on a couple Zoom calls? Yeah, I sure did. That's um, what I thought. I, yeah, I, I took the Getting Your Recipe to Market class. Oh, good. Um, which was, um, which was amazing. Uh, it was incredibly helpful to me. Um, I thought the, like the instructors for the class were so awesome. Um, and yeah, I'd actually known about that class for a really long time. Um, I had a catering company that worked out of the Portland Mercado. And, uh, so there were tons of startup food brands, like sharing the commissary kitchen with me. And it was, so inspiring and fascinating to me to just see like all sorts of cool things that people were making. Um, and yeah, I was like, this is awesome. But I'd actually, so when I was like a little kid, like four, I went on a school field trip to like an artisan natural foods company in new England. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I've been trying to think of like what my thing would be since uh, 1988. So, whoa! Do you remember which place you went through? I don't remember. If anyone out there is like in, it was in Western Massachusetts in the late 80s, and it was like sort of part of like the really early boom of like hippie junk food. But they made these like extruded Cheetos esque snacks that look like fusilli pasta and were like white cheddar flavored. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea if they exist anymore, but it clearly was very impactful in my life. <laughs> you carried it with you until you needed it, which is now. I I always kind of say that about like small business owners. Like I've done a lot of different jobs before this, and a lot of us have done other things, but you need all of those skills once you start your business because you have to you have to be, you know, you have to be innovative, you have to um, have cooking skills. You have to also be able to wash dishes and clean things. You have to be able to pack and ship, like just all the things. So, like, I feel like any job I've ever had, it was just getting me ready for this. Yeah, totally. I I, I feel like that. Is it called Fanoodle? Oh, I have I, I have no idea. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look it up. I it was because um... there's a pasta company out. He's called Prince pa- Prince Pasta, and there was a company in the '80s called Fanoodle, and they're just getting started up again. I was wondering because that's what they made was like a, you cook the pasta, you fry it, and then they had it coated in flavors, and it was like ah. a crunchy snack. And I just met with them. Oh, that's um, funny! Like that a week cool. ago. Are they? <laughs> Are they located in um, either Southern Vermont or Western Massachusetts? They could have had somebody making the product there for all I know. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember we like got to, it was like the parents of one of my classmates at um, my nursery school whose family owned it. And I don't, and I know that like in my life, other parents probably came for like you know, like parents' careers days, but I, it's literally the only one I even remember. <laughs> so, you know, things when we we're little kids actually do influence the rest of our lives. So I remember when I crawled in the back of our station wagon, when we were on a trip to Oregon, I grew up in Minnesota and I said to myself, when I grow up, I'm moving to Oregon. And I was wow. six. <laughs> so and here you've been all this time. Here I've been most of my life. It's super weird how we can figure stuff like that out when yeah. we're little kids. Well, Althea, I really love that you took, um, you know, of course, 
the pandemic stuff is awful for everyone and awful for restaurants. It's been so hard for it. We've talked about it on the show a lot because it's painful and we like to put out there that it's hard when, when restaurants close. So I'm sorry that that happened, but I do love that you took the opportunity to do something that you wouldn't have been able to do. Like probably if it didn't, ha- if the pandemic didn't happen and the restaurant didn't close, even though you knew about the recipe to market class, you yeah. might not have given yourself the time to take it. And so I'm really glad that you did that and you started this beautiful company that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Yeah, I definitely don't think I would have been able to do it otherwise. Um, I had thought about signing up for it. And I taught anyone who I like, you know, my friends and people I've worked with, I've been talking about it for years. And I... But and at one point I was like, I'm going to sign up. And I was like, you can't sign up for this. You work like 75 hours a week. (laughs) Don't have time. (laughs) You know what? I think sometimes we kind of gaslight ourselves into not doing stuff. So I'm glad you moved past that. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely feels like a like start. I think for anyone like starting a small business is sort of a leap of faith. Super hard. Uh, But I feel really lucky that I got to have the chance to do that. And just like super lucky that I had um, many people in my life um, who've been really supportive of me. So it's very good. And how did you like the recipe to market class? Did you feel like it was helpful? Yeah, I thought that it was. uh, And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was super helpful. Um, Hannah and Jill and Elisa um, who were teaching it. I know the instructors have like changed a few times probably over the years because it's been going on forever. Um, but they were amazing. Um, and it definitely helped. I think I could have eventually started my brand, but it helped me without it, but it fast tracked it, um, like really well for me. And, um, it was also really inspiring to like have that class with all these other people who are starting this brand. And like, it was online last, this was like last March. So it was all on zoom and it was like during a time, a pandemic time where like I literally hadn't like seen anyone in person or left my house. And it's definitely the first people that I didn't know that I was interacting with <laughs> for a year. Um, and, it was all, and at first I kind of was like, well, you know, I've always wanted to do this. I don't know if I want to do it over Zoom. Um, but it was awesome. Uh, I think the instructors did a really great job. Um, and it just sort of, it also like helped me connect with a lot of other really cool uh, makers and programs, uh, like the food innovation center. Um, and yeah, I think for anyone out there who's listening, who like has a food brand idea that they want to bring to life. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, we even, we actually had people who aren't in Oregon taking the class too. Yeah. Um, You don't have to be, especially the, I guess that's one of the benefits of it being online is like, we have people from Hawaii taking it. Yeah, it opens it up all over because I think you used to have to be here for it for sure, right? Yeah, Hawaii is opening a food innovation center, actually. Um, Chris Bailey was over there and had taken pictures of it. And their um, State Department of Ag and some of their senators actually were at our food innovation center earlier this year or actually fall of 21 to check out our our facility. So it's pretty exciting. I do have a question for you about the food network and guys grocery games. (laughs) So you're kind of a celebrity. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? And like, because you said on your website that you used some of the funding to help get yourself started in this business. I know a lot of times people are like, how am I going to have you know, a nugget of money to sort of start something? Could you tell us that story? Uh, sure. So I, um, I appeared on, I guess, spoiler alert, one guy's grocery games, um, which I think it was, it was in 2018. Um, and I had sort of squirreled the money away. Um, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And I was like, I'm going to save this for something really important. Um, and yeah, I, so I, uh, I just sort of reached a point in my career where I've got where I'd gotten like a little bit of local press and I was also I also appeared on Chopped which I did not win but that's okay <laughs> um, 
And actually I was at the restaurant one day and it was before service and someone came back to my little kitchen and was like, Oh, Thea, someone's on the phone, like on the phone for you, like the restaurant landline. And I was like, Oh, I'm really busy. Like, can you take a message? And they were like, yeah, it's the food network. (laughs) 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 I was like, I guess I'll take this call. And actually, um, a different awesome female chef in town, Sarah, um, planner, probably mispronouncing her last name. Another amazing Sarah, who was the chef at Aviary, um, which also unfortunately closed last year. Um, they had contacted her and she was like, I'm not interested, but you should call Althea Potter. <laughs> um, so I don't know if she even know. I don't have no idea. She put maybe, uh, maybe she listens to this podcast, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then I applied and they cast me on the show and, um, yeah, I went down to California and, and filmed it and won, um, which was very exciting. And then I couldn't tell anyone about it for like nine months. Oh, <laughs> smokes. Because <laughs> um, uh, we filmed it, I think, in like January, but it was a Thanksgiving themed show. Oh. So until Thanksgiving when it aired. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely um, an cool. amazing experience. Uh, it's like a full out of body experience. Like you're just looking down at yourself doing this thing that you've seen other people do on TV. And it's just like completely insane. I still have like weird stress dreams about it. (laughs) PTSD. Oh yeah. Well, it's like where I'm like, I'll like have to, I'll be like running from like supermarket to supermarket, like trying to find ingredients, like physically running. Um, (laughs) But, you know, but it was amazing, you know, it was, um, it was, it ended up being really amazing and super lucky that I had that money um, to start my business. Um, Cause that was, I didn't have any outside funding. It was, uh, I guess, Guy Fieri. <laughs> Thanks, Guy. <laughs> That's pretty Here's your cool. outside funding. Um, I will just with that, I just want to give people a little bit of advice because um, one is that you should always answer your phone just for this reason, because um, the Food Network will not leave you a message. They don't want you to call them back. You have to answer your phone and talk to the person who's in charge of casting those calls. And I, I would say every person that we've had come on that has been on the show or people that we have talked to have said that, that they were almost didn't answer their phone, but then they did. And, um, and then the part of the advice that I would like to give personally is that then be ready to like, wow that person and be like, yes, I am the right person to cast on the show because I got one of those calls and I never answer my phone if I don't know the number. And the only reason I even answered it is because I was expecting a delivery that happened to be coming from California. So I answered and it was the Food Network. And I did such a terrible job selling myself because I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you, you want me to be? And it was for um, the Bobby Flay, beat Bobby Flay. And they wanted me to like, cook. And I'm like, I'm not a chef. I don't know why you're calling me. Like, why would I do this? I don't have a restaurant. Like everybody that goes on the show has a restaurant. And then I like got off the phone and I was like, that was really stupid of me. I should <laughs> like, cause they had seen me cook on one of my videos somehow. Somebody sent it to them. And so they like, they already knew that I, they wanted me to do it. And I like talked them out of it, which is like, I don't know. Oh I don't know. no, that's yeah. a good lesson so learned. Don't do that. Everybody. <laughs> Sarah Marshall, I'm sure that they, that they would love to have you. Um, <laughs> I told him it wasn't a good idea. So. <laughs> I, did, I did that one time with earned media too. Somebody wanted me somewhere at a specific time and I was busy doing something else. And then they wouldn't even speak to me later. Like yeah. I showed up t- later and they're like too late. Yeah. We don't need you. I mean, l- learn from my mistakes. please. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. 
So, Althea, tell us how you donate 3% to the organizations that you support for food and racial justice. Can you tell us more about that? Um, So one of the things that I thought about a lot when in starting my business was just how to be an ethical uh, food, like food business owner. Um, And then also recognizing uh, my my privilege as a white person, as a white chef, and um, how that probably made my path to chefhood (laughs) easier. Um, So I wanted to write that into my bottom line. Um, and I have a lot of really cool local organizations picked out that I'm looking forward to donating to, but I haven't actually made a profit yet. <laughs> My business is only like two and a half months old. So I don't want to like blow them up without actually having like money in hand to give to them. Yeah. Um, but it's just something that I really um, think that is, that's important. Um, even like in, you know, I'm hoping that eventually I'll get to make a bigger impact. Um, but you know, even as a small business, um, even if my impact is small, I think it's still important. It's very nice. Yeah, I think it's important. And I think, um, you know, for people who are just starting out, I think that's always a thing that they have to be thinking about is like, yeah, you know, you build in these things to donate to organizations and, and sometimes it may take you a little time before you can do that. And that's okay. I think, but you'll get to that point where you can do it. You know, it takes, but it takes a few years before you can do that. I think, I I think (laughs) I found the perfect shop for you to sell your, your chili crisp in. It's over at the coast in Lincoln city. Oh, cool. And it's a Harry Potter themed shop. Oh my gosh, I was just, I I think that they just, I just read an article like an Oregonian about them. And since you are Harry Potter's (laughs) sister, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of street cred with children having the last name Potter. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, that's my bit of advice. I think you should definitely send them some, a sample and your sales sheet. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. I actually really, I uh, like saw that article and like immediate, I think it was on Instagram or something, but I immediately sent it to multiple people I know because I am also a Harry Potter fan. Um, and because one of the reasons is, is that I love the food stuff in Harry Potter movies. It's awesome. It's like such a big, it's a big, it's like part of the world that is like that JK Rowling created which feels yes. really immersive where it has like you know that, that butter butter beer whatever it is right. you can make a mix for butter beer next <laughs> yeah when I when I used to work in um the group homes before when I did um social work we I worked with teenagers and we would read them the books and we would see the movies and we would whenever a new movie would come out we would dress up and and in the different we would be different characters I make a really good Hagrid just in case you guys are wondering <laughs> and I, I love wearing a fake beard so I look really good I'll have to put that picture up sometime <laughs> but but that was our favorite thing to do is that we would create what those he food cook? scenes if, like, I'm, weird mushrooms meat some kind of weird toadstools yeah, yeah. <laughs> frog legs but we would recreate like all of the candy coming in. So we would like, you know, all, all the staff would dress up and we would come in with these trays of like cakes and candies and all these things because it was like the most amazing part for of the books, but for like kids to experience, you know, it was like yeah. very fun. Oh, cool. <laughs> that sounds very fun. <laughs> um, I, I want to tell cool. people about your specific um, different flavors that you have. Could you explain yes. to us? Uh, yeah, so I have two flavors of crunchy chili oils, and I have a pizza flavor. Mm. Uh, that one has uh, New Mexico chilies and like a tiny bit of chipotle chili to give it a little bit of smokiness. Um, it has a lot of fennel seed and then uh, basil and marjoram and oregano and rosemary. Yum. I wanted it to taste pepperoni-ish, um, but it is, it's vegan. Um, but I, you know, it's really like, I love like Italian sausage and pepperoni. It's actually a flavor when I was, um, running a restaurant, I would, I would, and I cook like, you know, a lot of like global stuff, but some Italian things. And I had dishes sometimes where I would say, 
this needs more hospitaliano. <laughs> so I think that that's sort of like that flavor in a jar. Uh, it's really garlicky. Um, and then my bagel flavor, mm. uh, it's sort of, it's, it's everything bagel flavored. Uh, so it has uh, sesame and black sesame, poppy, um, and also like some sunflower seeds. It's a little bit more onion, like toasty onion forward. And then I snuck some caraway in there um, to give it sort of like a pumpernickel rye vibe. I didn't have that in there initially, but as I was like making it and testing it, I wanted it to have something that just sort of gave it like another a little more depth. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so those are my my two uh, crunchy chili flavors. And I sort of had them to where you can obviously eat them on pizza or on a bagel, um, but you can also use them to magically transform maybe in a Harry Potter way. Um, <laughs> anything that you're eating to taste like that. So sort of my like base thing was like, will this make steamed broccoli taste like pizza. Well, so that's the thing that I really appreciated because when I saw you and you gave me some, I was doing like a, a super boring one of those elimination diets where, cause I was having some food allergy stuff. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I wasn't able to eat any pizza or bagels. And so when you gifted it to me, it was the perfect time because I, you know, I used to eat like avocado toast before I did this thing. And then um, I could just put the um, bagel seasoning onto avocado on its own. And it really just gave me that feeling of eating a bagel, even though I was not eating them at the time. <laughs> tricked yourself. Yeah, it sure did. So thank you. <laughs> uh, well, thank, yeah, thank you. I, um, yeah, I think that, uh, it took me a while, like sort of like messing with the, the formula just sort of in my home kitchen. And I remember like the day that I really figured the bagel one out where just the smell of it smelled like there was a bagel toasting. I was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it really does feel that way. It's super awesome. You don't put MSG in yours, do you? No, I use... Um, I, I wanted it to have uh, like a lot of umami, but I wanted yeah. to figure out a more natural way to do it. Although I'm not like, I'm as an eater, I eat MSG. I'm not opposed to MSG, but I didn't want to put it in my product. Um, so I, it has uh, nutritional yeast and also some uh, organic shiitake mushroom powder. Um, so it has those umami notes, but, um, in a sort of more clean label, natural way. Very good. Althea, I have a, um, a pitch idea for you. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So I made this kind of chili oil for something I was doing. I was writing a story, um, about Durant. I think, you know, them, they make, uh, olive oil here in yeah. Oregon. But, um, so I made one where I, you know, I have a freeze dryer. So I freeze dried some shallots and I, um, dehydrated olive leaves from their farm and, oh, cool. and made this chili crisp with some chilies that I dried. Um, and I had, you can come and pick olive leaves in my yard. I have a whole yeah. tree full of <laughs> well, them. Now I have some, but I was like, just trying to tell this story of this time and place. And the olive leaves kind of add a little bit of like bitterness to it, you know. But so I made this and then they, you know, we, I wrote the story, we served it, but then they were like, yeah, we want you to make it for the gift shop and, and we'll take, you know, whatever it is, 500 bottles. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> I like made, you know, one jar of it essentially <laughs> and I was like I don't even know like I can't take that on like I'd have to get all different stuff you know what I mean so but what if I freeze-dried the shallots for you and dehydrated like I did the preserving piece but you made the chili oil um I would definitely be interested in talking about this more I don't know if I've ever tried an olive leaf um, but I'm uh -huh. a huge olive oil fan and I love Durant and I would love to work on that with you. Cool. We should talk about it because I think that as soon as I saw your stuff, cause I, this was like prop, this is a while ago that, that I was going to do it. And I was just like, I just can't do it. Like then, you know, with anything, as soon as the pandemic stuff was happening, I was like, I can't do anything new. Like, it's just not, you know, I, I have to just focus on maintaining, you know, but now I'm like, nah, maybe I could try try something new, but maybe we should talk about it. Cause I think that would be really fun. 
Yeah, that would be really fun. And it sounds really delicious. Um, and I love Durant. I got to go to their like Olio Nuovo pressing uh, probably about five years ago. And it was so cool. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time out there. Um, you know, Lee is one of my buddies. He manages all, all kinds of things out there. But um, so I, I'm lucky enough to be able to go to the olive oil pressing every year because I have a stand there, which is really nice. And we should try to get you in there too. Yeah, that would be awesome. I actually went, I work uh, part-time with a, a friend of the podcast, my friend Anna, who has Sweetheart St. John. So I actually got to go out and oh, like work yeah. at her booth with her there this year. Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. We love Anna. She was a guest on the show too. I, I wish I knew all the episodes offhand because I would just put it out there what episode she was on but I can't remember I can't remember either <laughs> but anyways Anna we love you <laughs> her new batch of cookies she's doing look really delicious oh yeah I've had um uh first uh firsthand view of them I that's actually been one of my one of a great thing this year um where her bakery is right up the street from my house so Ooh. I've been working for her part-time Oh, that's cool. Um, as a way to support myself, like while I get my business <laughs> up and running. Um, and she is so awesome and really talented and one of the really amazing um, woman business owners that I've gotten uh, a ton of advice from this year. I think there's a shared use kitchen in St. John's. Have you talked to Mimi's Kitchen? Oh, no, I haven't. I'll Mix. She makes jams and jellies that way you wouldn't where I don't know where you're manufacturing yeah. right now, but. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm at, um, I'm at new foods kitchen right now, um, it, which, which has been great. Is that in Southeast? I can't remember. Yeah. It's, the one, it's in the red building on salmon. It's in the oh. same building as the beeline warehouse. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, um, makers out of there, right? We, I think we've had, well, is that, show. That's part of Community Copac Northwest, the Coco people, or no, something it's, separate. It's separate, but I but their kitchen is being built. There's like multiple kitchens in that building, and like tons of different like like I'm not even. And since I've only experienced it like during pandemic times, yeah, like I haven't had the opportunity to like meet a lot of the other like mm. businesses and people who are in there. But there's a lot of like really um like cool stuff um community groups uh other small uh food businesses and um and of course uh beeline um is rad too so um i'm happy there right now but i will definitely as i grow i know that i'll probably it would make more sense for me to find something that had um like a monthly rent with more sort of time allowance as opposed to an hourly thing. So yeah. And also that um, public housing apartment over there in North Portland, they have a big kitchen that nobody uses. And they were thinking at one time to, to lease that out to a food entrepreneur. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling it, you can go swing by there and see if they do it. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, That way you could give back your 3%. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I know exactly where you're talking about. And they are actually on my list of um, places that I would love to uh, make donations to. Um, And, you know, also, uh, I had a, I actually, so I had carpal tunnel surgery also Mm. during the, during the pandemic, when the restaurant closed. Um, And it took, it, it's taken a really long time for my hand to rebuild enough strength. To like cook a lot, um, and sort of like a repetitive motion way, but my hand is feeling super good now. And I, um, definitely would like to do some like volunteer cooking. Um, I'm definitely gonna check out, uh, the Blanche. There you go. (laughs) When you say it, it sounds so much better than when I say it. (laughs) The Blanche house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, um, you kind of brought up a little bit of wholesale because you said, you know, you said started wholesaling. Sarah had a recommendation. Can we tell people where they can find your chili oils? 
Yeah. So I'm in a bunch of local stores. Uh, I'm at Alefire, which is a hot sauce and beer store in Williams. Um, and then at my friend Sharif's amazing gift shop called the Amity, which is downtown. Um, where I think I'm actually the only food item in there, but they have like an incredible uh, artist collective with really beautiful gifts. Um, at Cooperativa, the Italian market. Um, I'm at the Coquine market. I'm at the Helvetia farm market. Um, at Montalupo Italian market at Zucker Creme and um, in the Vivian Kitchen bookshop, which is incredible. If you haven't had time to go um, peek into their new thing and be in cook cooking bookstore heaven. Um, that, um, Robin was our last guest. It actually hasn't aired yet, but, um, oh, but she oh, was on oh, here so we could tell people about the shop. So it's, it's, oh. we're so excited about it. Um, it's uh, like everything that I dreamed it would be and more. I'm a huge uh, cookbook junkie. Um, and I went there to buy a gift for a friend and also bought um, a gift for myself. <laughs> so, nice. That's the best uh, kind of store. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have I actually have some exciting news. Um, just this week, my chili oils are hitting the shelves at all 18 New Seasons locations. Whoa. Yay. Congratulations. Thank that's, you. That's so awesome. We love that. And we can um, tag these places in there too so people know where to get it now we just need to get some to john Boyle at market of choice yeah i'm working on it i so i launched like right before the holidays so and i was um so i and like i did manage to get into some accounts but i know that that's an incredibly busy time of year for buyers and that like all of the decisions that sort of take place in you know, holiday gift sets and things like that are made, um, months earlier. <laughs> um, so I, uh, actually my, I want to give a shout out to my getting your speed of market advisor, Elisa, who has, um, a beverage company called drink rhizome. Um, and she's really rad and she gave me like an unbelievable quantity of high quality advice this year, but she, it was really helpful to talk to her when I had kind of started and I was like, no one's emailing me back. Yeah. Um, and she would just like, no, it's people are just really busy. So I definitely plan on um, re-pursuing market of choice. <laughs> well, there are one of our sponsors, so I'm sure they'll be listening. Hi, I, I bet it was probably hard to start um, doing wholesale at holiday time because usually like, um, you know, they're buying for holiday in like, I mean, sometimes like September really is when, okay. when we'll get a lot of holiday orders. So I think that probably for next year, just know that that's about the time that, that um, bigger stores, especially you, you fit really well, I think into a lot of the same stores that we do where it's more like um, gifting, you know, shops where it can be a food gift, but, um, but, you know, you'll fit in well there. And those, those kinds of buyers usually buy pretty early on for, hey, for Elsia, are you going to do a package? That's a little box with both of the flavors in it. Yeah. I'm definitely planning on, um, having that ready for next holiday season. Good, good idea. Yeah. yeah. And I have some other, uh, flavor ideas bouncing around in my brain too. So, <laughs> But I got to a point where I just, I, cause as a chef, I made like 9 million things all the time and I changed my menu all the time. And I would like have things on my menu and then just be like, never mind. I thought of this other thing. So I think a really big difference for me in sort of transitioning to being a, like a food brand owner was finding like a couple of flavors, at least starting out to concentrate on. And sort of whittling that down because uh, I still like have like nine million other ideas <laughs> sort of bouncing around in my brain. But it's also been nice to just have sort of like have something to focus on in that way. Yeah, I'm sure it helps um, keep just as far as your mental health goes, you have something exciting and new and it um, it just keeps things a little bit, bit, bit up. <laughs> And it's more affordable to just start with two or three items yeah. than to have a lot of them yeah. that you have to print labels for. 
Yeah, no, I definitely um, like scaled it back. And I thought of, I actually thought, I mean, over the years, I thought of a lot of food ideas um, that I didn't end up pursuing um, for a number of, of reasons. Um, either that I felt like the market was like really oversaturated for them um, or things like um, I really thought I was known as a chef for making like fun and, and exciting vegetable dishes. So for a while, I really thought about doing salad dressings, but it's like, there's so many already and like the things making them shelf stable wasn't that appealing to me. And then I realizing that like the shelf life of fresh salad dressing is like very short. <laughs> um, so I kind of have scrapped that one for now. Um, cause I want, cause I wanted, I knew that I wanted to be shelf stable and something that was giftable. So that would open up being able to sell in more places. And like my, my friends, uh, uh, artist gift shop Amity. I was kind. Of, I was kind of worried that um, my product wouldn't sell really well there, just because not even on my end, but like on their end, because they were giving me product space. But because I'm the only food thing, but it actually sold it sold really well over the holidays there. So I was really stoked about that. And I think that part of that is definitely because my friend, who's an incredible artist, made me a very arty label. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think that was smart to have her do it. They're so beautiful. Uh, we want, we always like to ask how the community can support you. So what does the flavor society need from us? Um, oh, wow. Uh, so the, I guess the flavor says, I mean, I, I feel like I've already gotten um, like really incredible support from um the like local food makers community um and especially like the like the female food makers and entrepreneurs uh have been like incredibly open and like like willing to help and like offering to share and that has been like incredible to me um but just from a consumer standpoint um buy my sauce <laughs> 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 and it's the best way for people to do that on your website. Yeah, I think on my website is great. I do have like a, um, I do ship. Um, so if there are people who are out of town who are listening to this podcast, you can buy from my website. Um, but if you're in town, um, please check this out at any of the shops that I mentioned. Um, and this isn't necessarily a flavor society thing, but it's sort of a, a food and beverage and restaurant community thing at large, where I just really want <clears throat> to encourage people to go out and support their local small businesses, um, food or otherwise, and local restaurants right now. Um, Cause it's, uh, it's just like a really tough time. Um, yeah, it is. People. And I've just seen so many people who um, I care about, uh, you know, I've known personally who are like really struggling um, or whose businesses are really struggling. Um, hey, so hey Elsa. Go eat something delicious. <laughs> yeah. Althea, do you have a where to find us section on your website? I didn't find anything like that. <laughs> no, it's actually on my list of things to do. This oh, week. good. Because also at Pig's Patisserie, I noticed that some of their shelves on their um, vending machines have other people's products. And I could totally see this in that vending machine oh, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love the pig's vending machine. I you too, Sarah. <laughs> I know, I was just with Cheryl. I should have uh, hit her up. <laughs> you should have a spot in there for sauce. Yeah, yeah. You know, that makes sense. You know, her vending machines are like doors that open. I always think that because we both have glass products, I was thinking of the kind <laughs> that drop down and then they no. shatter chili oil and hot sauce no. everywhere, but her door is open. So maybe that's, yeah, we yeah. Sure. <laughs> that would fulfill your vending machine dreams, Sarah Marshall. It would, I know. 
gotta get that in gotta get that vending machine <laughs> are you uh, what are your vending machine dreams <laughs> oh, this, well so before at the beginning of the pandemic i thought that sarah and i should have a vending machine at the food innovation center where we could have all of our guests products in there and people could get them because we, you we know at the, at the very beginning we were like how is anybody going to make it what can we do you know and i was like let's get a vending machine and then um cheryl started doing her vending machine and she's way better at it than probably we would have been <laughs> Yeah. We would have had to put like soda pops and water bottles in there to keep bars full. No. Yeah, probably. We we didn't have quite as enough guests, I don't think, at that time that had stuff that you could buy that was shelf stable. Yeah. Well maybe well, like like, you know, I'm still holding out hope that there will be like a post pandemic time. Um, but yeah. maybe when things are um better for meeting in person, you could have uh like an in-person marketplace for people who've been on your show. Yeah, we do usually have an yeah. in-person marketplace. Oh, cool. Historically, yeah. at the end of every Getting Your Recipe to Market class, there was a big marketplace and that was had been at the Food Innovation Center, but it just grew too large and we moved it over to the red and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and and so things have really changed. So Someday, someday it's going to come back though. We it the last happen. one we It'll had, happen. we had like 65 vendors out in our parking lot. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. I think actually now that you mentioned that I've seen pictures of it and in my class, you know, we, they were like, oh yeah, next year. And you know, like now maybe it'll be next year. But yes. yeah, and it, well, even as a um, past client, you know, I, I've done that event lots of times whenever Sarah has an open booth I'm like sure yeah I'll come again no, no problem so so you yeah. can still do it in the future exactly yeah well I just I mean that just like I mean I would love to like sample my product and stuff but I love food and I love seeing the creative things that other people make so I just like want to attend it <laughs> yeah yeah it's a fun event I love it all right well unfortunately ladies I have to wrap us up. So it was so, so, so wonderful to have you on the show. We will direct people your way to get your lovely chili oils. And I just think that you've created something really beautiful and wonderful. And thank you for, for sharing it with our community. Yes. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much to both of you for um, sharing so much with this community. I um, have like known who both of you were for a long time, and I was really excited to be in your podcast. Today. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I think you're 102 or 103 or something like that. Maybe I mean, 102. That's yeah. So many amazing women doing so much awesome stuff in the food and beverage community. So thank yeah. you for everything that you both do. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, we're currently booking. So send us a DM on our Instagram at Missoni and Marshall. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.